Welcome to episode five of this brand new football podcast, talking about all things football, all things Saints. My name's Tom Murray. I'm Callum Wilson, and this is Under the Lights. So Callum, three games into the Premier League, we've still got fixtures to come today. What have you thought about the first uh, few games, really? Uh, as always, upsets here and there. We just had Crystal Palace get the first real big upset up at Old Trafford yesterday with a last-minute goal for a 2-1 win. Um, always interesting to see the pro- promoted sides. I've been impressed in different ways by all three of them. I think they'll all um, add something to the Premier League this season. There have also been a lot of games that we've, we've watched uh, that have been on television that have been lacking in a lot of quality. I think about Sheffield United Crystal Palace 1-0. It was re- that was quite a dull game to watch. Even the Friday night's game between Aston Villa and Everton was was um, Aston Villa fans were fantastic, and I'm sure they would have loved that game. But as a neutral, it was it, there was quite a lot of you know I'd almost say boring football. I think Everton really haven't kicked off the season going forward as they as they'd like to. Um, and then there are also a lot of new new players and new transfers which we'll we'll get into that are that are always good to watch. A few exciting talents and additions to the Premier League. Definitely, and going like there's been a mixture of games. We've had some high quality ones. We've had some low quality ones. I think that the newly promoted sides have certainly brought something of their own to the league. The likes of Sheffield United, with the way that Chris Wilder plays, quite solid, quite robust, and but at the same time not too much flair, that kind of thing. Whereas Norwich have really sort of taken like a duck to water, especially Timu Puki, who's done brilliantly. But we'll go on to talk about him later. So we've played, um, we've had three games, and as it stands, Liverpool are top of the league with three games played, three wins. That was kind of to be expected, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean Liverpool, Manchester City are, are going to be the two that are going to are going to run away with it, and and Manchester City, if it wasn't for a late VAR goal, um, have dropped points quite early, earlier than they would have liked in the season. But they are playing Tottenham, who who are likely to be in the top four, um, the first real test for them this season. Um, and although Tottenham played in a way we've never seen them play before and, and really Man City dominated, I don't think they'll be that worried to be uh, two points behind Liverpool at this stage. I mean, first day of the season, we saw exactly what we would see. that The first game was, was an easy Liverpool win. Um, and then the lunchtime kickoff the next day was Man City. Anything you can do, we can do better. And they and they won their game 5-0 away at West Ham, which I was really impressed with. So... Both, both of them starting as they mean to go on. I think um, Liverpool have got pretty much the same team. They've got the likes of Chamberlain and Alana who have come back into the side, uh, into the squad. Uh, Chamberlain was particularly um, impressive at St Mary's. And and obviously Rodri has come in for Manchester City. Cancelo as well, we haven't seen much of him. But, but I think Rodri is, is um, as a long-term replacement for Fernandinho. I think he's only going to get better. He's really, really good on the ball and impressed me early on in the season. Yeah, definitely. Again, the game against West Ham, I think it was match of the day that picked up just how important he was in breaking up the counter-attack from West Ham. Although there was a, a question, I think, put to Guardiola about whether his side have now become a side that's just tactical fouling all of the time. Pellegrini was definitely not happy with that. I think he said in his press conference that with Manchester City, every time you try and break forward, they will just foul you all the time just to stop that. Pep Guardiola didn't really take too kindly to that. I mean, if that's their style of play, I think they got away with it in previous seasons, especially Fernandinho, for the great player he is. What he's very clever at doing is just picking off players when trying to get a counter-attack, just that short foul that's not going to get a yellow card. Um, 
we've got the top four. We've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester and Man City. Three of those teams you kind of expect to be up there. But Leicester, we talked in the in the pre in the pre our season preview in episode uh, in episode three. Now I thought Leicester were going to be quite far up there. Yes, it's very early days, but I think they've really impressed so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm not I'm not surprised to see um, any of those four in the top four. I don't think that's a surprise team up there. I think maybe Brighton, uh, who are in, in in the top six or seven at the moment after a few games, even though they lost yesterday, the they and Sheffield United are probably the the ones that are highest up the table that we think okay they're yeah you know, they're a bit further up than we thought they would be. I think Leicester, um, as we said, I, I, I had them down to finish in the top six, as did you. Yeah, I think uh, I've got them to come fifth or sixth. But... Yeah, and at the expense of uh, of Chelsea for me, and that's the way it's played out early on. It was interesting to watch the two of them actually play each other quite early on in the season. I thought Leicester were fantastic up at the bridge. Um, they've, they really showed me exactly what I thought. Of what I thought they would flare with the likes of Madison. Um, I've always rated Wilfred and Didi. I think he's a brilliant player. Really holds that midfield together. The only thing that worried me slightly about Leicester and and um, and my prediction for them finishing sixth in the season was that the following day they lost Harry Maguire and they didn't replace him. Looked like they were going to get Tarkovsky or Dunk. That never materialised. And now they've got Soyuncu, who isn't Harry Maguire. And it'll just be interesting to see how that develops because I think that's probably the weakness for them going forward brilliant but at the back they haven't attempted to replace Harry Maguire who's just gone for 80 million pounds so that'll be interesting but I think Madison started um, really really well uh, obviously they've got the likes of Harvey Barnes who's a good player Jose Perez seems to have fitted in really quickly so yeah it'll be interesting they got they got a good win yesterday um, at Sheffield United which isn't an easy place to go for any team this season yeah, I think I completely agree with you on in terms of Leicester's defence not replacing Harry Maguire. Yes, it was a very short space of time that they had to do it, but for me, if they got in a centre back, I think that top six spot could have even um, really they could have really consolidated that this season as such. I think they'll still finish really quite high, but um, the fact that they're now re- uh, re- relying on Soyuncu to in that defence, who's as you say, he's not got the same quality or ability as Harry Maguire by a long shot, that they're going to have to rely heavily on their midfield and forward options, which for Leicester they've caught sort of an embarrassment of riches in that in terms of that in terms of that. Um, Manchester United, they are they are fifth at the moment. Yes, it's really early to look at the Premier League table, but they're fifth. Really, really good start of the season for them in terms of a 4-0 win against Chelsea. Personally, I didn't see that one coming. I thought those Man United and Chelsea would be quite evenly matched, and I know Chelsea hit the post a few times in that game. Man United then got a draw away to Wolves. There's been some debate about missing penalties. and But yesterday, they lost at home to Crystal Palace. Is it a case with Man United if they've started really quickly and tailed off, or is it was yesterday's just, just a blip for them? I think to an extent, I think um, first and foremost, they won 4-0, but there was never a 4-0 game. I think Chelsea were the better side in the first half, should have gone in leading, ended up going in uh, 1-0 down after a, a penalty that Man United did manage to score. Um, I think Kurt Zuma was, was poor in that game, and, and that, giving away the penalty, and even Aspilicueta was, was below his usual standards. There were individual errors and I think it was harsh on Frank Lampard's young side because I think actually they were much better in the first half but Manchester United on the counter-attack were um, blistering 
like in the days where where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was was on the pitch uh, playing that kind of football, and that's that's really interesting to see. Um, then they went to Wolves, which is a potential banana skin, and I was quite impressed with how professional they were. It looks for a while like they might win that game, uh, but for a wonderful goal by Neves, and there have been a few wonderful goals so far this season. Um, but then yesterday, Crystal Palace on paper is, is a game at home where you think, oh, that's three points and that'll be an easy win. Crystal Palace were poor up until yesterday. They hadn't managed to score. But I've said this before, Crystal Palace at home aren't one of the sides that you actually... What, there are probably about 10 teams I'd rather play at home than Crystal Palace because they're better at better away from home. And often they won at Manchester City last season. We saw them mm. picking up points. They're great on a counter-attack. And they managed to... Um, to beat a Manchester United side who yesterday looked like they were back to their old tricks um, and 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 looked quite poor. So it'll be interesting to see if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can put that one to one side and get them back into the, the mentality because they've got a young side. Where every time they scored against Chelsea, there was a big huddle. They are all sort of... It seemed to be a togetherness there. Um, and that'll be really tested to see uh, how they come back next week in the uh, lunchtime kickoff at St Mary's to see if they come back with uh, a real reaction or mm. or if those young players are still wounded from from a loss at Old Trafford. Southampton will certainly be feeling that Man United are there for the taking next time, but we'll talk about that more in Kingsland Corner. Callum and I will be providing the audio description commentary for that game, but again, tell, talk about that in the next episode. Uh, Brighton. Now, they're quite high up the league at the moment. They're seventh. They started the season quite surprisingly. I didn't expect them to get a 3-0 win away to Watford, which is not an easy place to go by any means. They got a cracking win there. Then they drew against West Ham. They've lost against Saints yesterday. But a lot of their fans are still really quite positive with the way that Potter's got them playing. Um, A lot of fans yesterday were thinking, as as well as feeling a bit hard done by that it wasn't a 2-0 game, but they were feeling still very positive with the way they played, even going down to 10 men. They still tried to play football, in, more, in my opinion. Uh, still a better side for quite a large portion of the game against Saints. But how do you. We both predicted Brighton to be right down there, maybe 19th or 20th, certainly one of those two positions. Have Bright, how much of Brighton have they surprised you with the way they've started, or is it a case of you expected maybe a quick start and now maybe we'll see them tail off a bit now that they've had that yeah. quick boost? There's an element of that. I mean, there are a couple of things with Brighton. The first thing is that um, when we did our, our prediction less than a week before the season started, they had one of the poorest squads in the division. And the reason mainly that we thought they were going to get relegated, and, and you certainly thought it'd be cut adrift, is because they didn't have any goals in the team. They then signed Neil Mopai from Brentford, which is a really good signing, I think. Mm. Um, they've signed a couple of centre-backs. It seemed that, almost like Brighton, had seen all the predictions, heard all the pundits, looked at the squad themselves towards the beginning of the season and thought, we're going to struggle here, we need to support the manager. And they went out and they spent money on, on a couple of players, a good couple of £20 million players. Now, I think, actually, Brighton will make a better fist of it um, the other thing is that they've they've had really kind fixtures to start the season, um, as kind as they can be in the Premier League. That they, they don't face many of the big teams. Um, Southampton yesterday at home. They also faced West Ham at home, and before that, first day of the season, they faced Watford and beat them three 0 Always a surprising result, first day of the season. I think that was it. Um, and 
and we'll get on to Watford as well because they're, they're on zero points at the moment. They've not had a great start. But but Brighton, under Potter, new manager, it would just be interesting to see if that is an initial reaction, an initial set of good results where they're playing new f- football or trying to impress the new manager. Um, yesterday they were undone by a Southampton side that arguably had that extra little bit of quality in front of goal. Um and it will be it will be interesting to see where Brighton go, but inevitably when you have a set of good fixtures at the beginning of the season, you're going to hit a, a patch soon where they've got a lot of difficult fixtures and they might go four, five, six games without getting a win. At that point is the time then to judge Brighton, I think. Um, what I'm really interested in is uh, the promoted sides that we had maybe in and around the relegation zone with the likes of Brighton uh, because... I've kept a keen eye on Norwich over over the summer. I like what they were doing in a transfer window. I I want Sheffield United to do well. I still don't think they've got the quality, but they're making a real fist of it to start with. And then Aston Villa's new new players um, almost been likened a lot to Fulham. I think all three of those teams are adding something different to the Premier League, and I'm actually quite enjoying um, the contrast between the three. Well, didn't enjoy the, the game between Sheffield United and Crystal Palace. I thought it was a dull affair. And I watched that as a Southampton fan thinking there's two teams that we should be getting points off. But I think Norwich played brilliant football. I've been really impressed with some of their players. And Aston Villa, it looks like having gotten that win against Everton and what unbelievably good atmosphere at Villa Park. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do this season because I think they'll blow hot and cold. Yeah, with Aston Villa, they... The way they play against Spurs in the first game of the season, leading for the majority of the match and then being undone towards the end by the sheer quality that Spurs possess. I thought, looking at that game, that they did have the quality to take things uh, things forward. And then they uh, elapsed in concentration and a, a very shoddy start against Bournemouth in their first home game, and that sort of just fell apart. They did try and come back into it, but Bournemouth had the... Uh, tactical nails really to see that out as an experienced Premier League side they got their first win against Everton who for me have disappointed so far um, I think Villa of the three promoted sides I'd say it's sort of their middle in terms of how well they'll do out of the three I think Norwich will do um, the best although we'll come on to Norwich but I think their defending could certainly be where they'll become undone because in their game against Newcastle when they got that brilliant win over Newcastle um there were lots of chances for Newcastle to score and had um, Joe Linton, I think it was, not missed several sitters, then the score could have been very different. But staying with Aston Villa, I think they do have the quality to beat... I mean, we saw against Everton, they have the Everton, uh, you know, a, 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 pretty, a very, very experienced Premier League side. They're one of the teams that we predicted to do quite well with the summer signings that they made, but Aston Villa... 2-0, maybe it's just one of those games for Everton where it just doesn't happen for you. But I think Aston Villa do, with their new players, yeah, like you said with um, like you said with uh, Brighton, they're going to hit a patch where they're not going to get a win for quite a while. But they still have that unpredictability and I think they have a, I think they have enough talent to, to make a fist of staying up. So the team that they did play, Everton, they're kind of disappointed so far, especially with signing Moise Keane and that... No, and Andre Gomez, like you'd expect a bit more from them so far. Yeah, I think I think the problem with Everton is that they can't score goals, and it's been the problem for a long time since Lukaku left. Um, they they've bought in Moise Keane. 
and they're pinning a, a great deal on the you know on the shoulders of of the young man because Calvert Lewin isn't the man to uh, score you twenty goals a season in the Premier League. He's good at what he does, but that's that's not enough as a lone striker. Then they've got so many good number tens and wingers behind them, brought on the likes of Awobi and Walcott who couldn't even start the game when you've got Bernard and Sigurdsson who went off after an hour against Villa um, and, and obviously Richarlison. So I think going forward they should be creating chances but I think already the season for Everton depends on how quickly Moise Keane can come in and make that number nine centre-forward space his own because defensively they're very good and Marco Silva is is a very good manager defensively and if Yerry Mean is now starting to play strike up a partnership with with Ken uh, with Keane Moise Ken up front is 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 it's down to him I think it, we might see that there are a lot of games with Everton where they're sort of one nils either way or nil nils one ones um, certainly not both teams to score on your uh, on your coupon um, but Again, they've got the quality and they will. They have got good fixtures to start and they've had a few good fixtures, which is the worry for them because then once they start playing the better teams, how are they going to cope with that? Um, the other two teams, now going from those that are, have overachieved to underachieved, I, mean, I think Everton have underachieved. Um, from what I've seen of Spurs, and it's only two games, struggled against Aston Villa thought Aston Villa were actually really good and really organised once they got that lead and Dean Smith has shown that in a few of these games against Everton as well um, I think Spurs then did what they did at Man City and got a fantastic result but a lot of people are, are saying that they were poor in the way that they set themselves up but I thought it was, it was, it was quite clever they could have gone toe-to-toe with Manchester City and probably lost so it's all about results when you go to the big teams uh, but they weren't you know they weren't in blistering form um, they face a Newcastle side today who's still yet to get off the mark under Steve Bruce and it'll be interesting to see how, how Spurs go in this game will it be another tight one like it was against Aston Villa or will they blow Newcastle away um, so I think there's more to see from Spurs Newcastle and Watford the other two teams are yet to get a Premier League point uh, Newcastle maybe unsurprisingly Watford, I'd say more surprisingly, especially considering that they've had two home games against West Ham and Brighton. Um, You'd expect to get at least a point. For yeah, them, and they've conceded three goals in both those games. Um, so, yeah, early early worries for Watford, and clearly defensively, there's an issue for them. Definitely, and I was actually seeing a few of their fans' comments on Twitter about how prolific they are in front of goal. They've had so many shots in those games and they just keep on missing the target that for them is for me I've always thought that Watford were a very solid side in terms of midfield and defence it's just a term in terms of yeah they got Roberto Pereira up front they've signed Saar they've got uh, Welbeck who obviously hasn't had much of a pre-season so he's going to take a while to actually get up to speed with this season but goals for them seem to be very hard to come by at the moment. They've only got one so far this season. And yes, they've played Brighton at home, they've played West Ham at home, and they've played Everton away. You'd expect to be have. As a Watford fan, and as a team that did, I think, did quite well last season, and certainly the season before, they are a team that really should be more than one from those first few games. And I don't think they're going to be down there at the end of the season. I think they'd have too much quality, but I'm not... Remember, there's no... 
you're never too big to go down. But with Watford, I think they still do have that quality in their side. And once it, once they do find the back of the net, maybe once or twice in the game, they'll start finding it on a more regular basis. But it's like I said for Saints yesterday, before they got the win, a loss against Brighton wouldn't have been the end of the world. But it's, you know, when you're getting to the third, fourth game into the season, you've got to start picking up points from somewhere. Yeah, and I think Watford will be fine. I don't think we said uh, in the previous podcasts when previewing all the teams, Watford seem to have um, an abundance of average defenders in their squad, and a lot of them. Um, you look at Watford's squad, and they've got a couple of flair players, but I never really understood how they've done so well. And Fair play to Javi Grazia for what he did last season with them, especially the start of the season. They got off to a blistering start, and then they tailed off. It looks like it might potentially have to be the other way around this season. We're only three games in, um, but they haven't won. And I haven't seen much from Watford to suggest that they've got much about them. But, as I said before, I don't think I don't think the Premier League's got as much quality as it has in previous years. I um, heard a lot of pundits say, say that it's, it's the strongest Premier League they've ever seen. But they seem to say that every season. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think there are a lot of teams, and we've touched on this previously in our predictions, there are a lot of teams that aren't Premier League quality. And when you support a team like Watford, I think when you watch other teams play and you think there are, there are enough teams worse than us in this division for us not to get relegated, I don't think that would be a problem. I think Watford will finish in and around the bottom half of the table, maybe you know, middle 13th, 14th, 15th. And we're only three games in. Um, but it will be a kick up the backside for, for Watford to see themselves right at the bottom of the table. Um, where they're level on zero points with Newcastle. And as we said, that's a bit more predictable because we thought they got tough fixtures to start. Um, they've got Spurs today. They've only played two games, but they had, they've had they had Arsenal, and now they've got Spurs as well. That's their third game. And everyone predicted Newcastle to, uh, to have, well, most people, to struggle. Um, I've not really been impressed with Joe Linton for £40 million up front. Um, and and you know, Newcastle, actually, they did give a good fist of it against Arsenal. But yeah, you know, I think they are going to struggle. And one thing they, they might struggle for is goals. Um, because Shell Linton hasn't really done a lot for me. He's, he's missed the opportunities, opportunities that he has had, of which have been few and far between. I do like the um, the lad they got from Saint Etienne, though. Um, uh, Max, Maxime. 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 Yeah. Maxima, yeah. He's, um, he's a classic... Newcastle player, he's got all the tricks, and he'll be he'll be a bit of flair that I think they need. Um, but it's interesting because I, I don't see them getting anything against Tottenham today, um, and then next week Watford and Newcastle play each other. Um, not sure who's at home in that game. That one is Newcastle at home in that one. So that'll be a huge game then because Newcastle and Watford on zero points, they'll both see that as a game that they need three points from, yeah. and something's got to give. Um, Let's talk about players um, this season. Let's talk about maybe new transfers, maybe players of the promoted sides, um, maybe youngsters, academy players that have come through. Um, those that you expected big things from and haven't yet delivered, maybe haven't seen. But to start with, who have you been impressed with and maybe surprised with as additions to the Premier League? Timo Puki is... He's started the season absolutely fantastically. You're always talking about the, uh, can you make the step up from the Championship to the Premier League? Um, as Saints fans, we know that all too well with 
could Ricky Lambert step up from the championships of the Premier League? He d- he did that with a plum, but Timo Puki, he's top of the goal scoring charts at the moment. He's got five goals. He's scored in every single game so far. He got a hat trick against Newcastle, and his goals aren't just like lucky lucky goals. He is creating the chances for himself, and his finishing has been sublime. I mean, he looks to me like he's been in the Premier League for all of his life with the just the just how clinical he's been so far, and he will be for me. I think well, I think it's obvious, and for most most football fans, that if Norwich are going to stay up this season, then Pukki's going to be the man to drag them by the scruff of the neck over that over that line. He's a man who's scoring goals, isn't he? He's a man in form, um, top goal scorer in the Championship last season, gone up a level into the Premier League, but hasn't stopped. If and if if anything, is is doing even better. Five goals in three games for any striker to start the league, is is blistering. But for someone who's just come up from the Championship to do so. Um, and, and in all honesty, the first game of the season, I, I sat in a pub watching Liverpool demolish Norwich, but but I wasn't worried about Norwich one bit. I mean, defensively, yeah, they were woeful um, and they were facing one of the best attacks in the world, but they were creating chances, Norwich, and Timu Puki's movement on the last man was obviously fantastic. And I was watching him for a bit. Um, and he's sort of getting in behind and, and trying to lay people off. I think he sort of backheeled for Steeperman, he put it over, and they just had that finish to get the goal. He did end up getting a goal in the second half, um, again, because his movement across the back line was so good, and they broke Liverpool down really quite easily at times, like a, like a hot knife through butter. But I was watching him, and I was really impressed. And another player that I've really been impressed with, um, and he, he stood out in that game for me against Liverpool and has done since, and has got um, some assists to his name, is Cantwell, who who maybe wasn't expected to start for Norwich this season. He didn't do a lot, didn't have a lot of starts in pre-season. There's a lot of midfielders at Norwich and a lot of good midfielders, and I think even Norwich fans weren't expecting him to start, let alone to be one of their shining lights. Um, and he, he's a young player, obviously played for them in the Championship last season, and has really made the step up to the Premier League and looks really suited to it. And I think him and Puki, him playing off of Puki as a lone striker, is going to be a threat to a lot of teams. And they and they play good football. The only worry for Norwich is that you know defensively they're not great. But those two, um, I've had a real eye on. And and another player for me um, that I hadn't heard much about, but I heard that you know he he's he apparently was all right for a, for a promoted side to get him was um, was Engels at Aston Villa, and I think all the pundits. And all the uh, all the plaudits go to Tyrone Mings because of rightly because of what he did last season when he joined them. Um, it was like a captain for them. Aston Villa fans love him. Helped get them promoted. Went on that real good run of form since he joined them. But next to him in Engels, they've got a, a real coup. Uh, he's a fantastic defender. Um, and I think in terms of centre back partnerships, Aston Villa as a promoted side are uh, punching a bit above their weight because I think those two at centre-back are, are not going to be easy for, for strikers to play against and he's, he's just a really clever player reads the ball, reads the game really well um, a leader at the back and he's just always, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time uh, and I think they did well to get him because I think the likes of Everton are interested so he's, he's another player for me um, that's one to keep an eye on maybe an unsung hero because you don't get many defenders that that stand out, especially with, with championship sides coming up. Definitely, and if he's going, if again, if um, 
if Aston Villa want to survive in the league, then their centre-back pairing is going to have to be as solid as they can possibly make it. Another player that's impressed for me, sticking with the centre-back theme. Now, Harry Maguire, massive, massive um, transfer fee, most expensive defender in world football. A lot of people were laughing at how the fact that he's more expensive than Virgil van Dijk, who I consider to be a far more accomplished and talented footballer, but that's just the way the transfer window is going at the moment. Harry Maguire, I think, yesterday aside, started the season really quite solidly against Chelsea. He did, he was, I think, I thought he was really, really, really good. And so far this season, he's looked quite composed in that defence. And yes, he's going to come under a lot of um, criticism, and he's going to fans are going to be. He's always on his back considering his 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 transfer fee. But I think he's made the step into Manchester United quite well so far. Yes, they lost yesterday. Uh, but I don't think that Harry Maguire is at fault for that. There's a lot of problems at Manchester United, rev- many different ones, not just revolving around him. In fact, the um, Crystal Palace's winner came from David De Gea, one of the best keepers in the world, making quite an error. So another, yeah, another one. Another error for him. So it, there's there's lots of problems at Manchester United, but I think Harry Maguire has actually stepped up to the plate quite well. Yeah, I think Harry Maguire has done all right. I think he's three games in. He's looked solid. He's looks like Harry Maguire looks. You know, he, he deals, he wins everything in the air, he brings the ball out well, and he's good at passing. He hasn't. It's, it's, it's difficult for a defender, without being Virgil Van Dijk, to prove that he what he can give you is worth eighty million pounds. Um, but he's been solid. However, like we touched on in the previous podcast, although Harry Maguire is a good player, he's not going to stop. Manchester United leaking goals and that's because that defence has still got individual errors both goals yesterday you talk about David De Gea who is no longer the best goalkeeper in the world because he's at the end of last season he was making mistakes almost every game he doesn't seem to have gotten rid of that got beaten at his near post with a, with a poor bit of goalkeeping but then uh, yesterday for the first goal it was a long ball up and Lindelof all six foot whatever of him um, loses out the header, although Benteke is a big unit, and the amount of time that Jordan Ayew had to pick his spot, and in my opinion, I mean that that's that's Harry Maguire's man. Yes, you can look at Lindelof, and he and he should be dealing with Benteke better. But when you win a flick on, thirty five yards from your own goal, you sh- as Harry Maguire, you should be looking at Benteke and Lindelof going up and saying. But there's no guarantee that Lindelof's going to win this header because Benteke is one of the best in the Premier League at being able to do that. So you've got to follow your man. And clearly, they were deeper, so he was onside. And it was it was just an awful defensive goal to, to concede. Um, Wan-Bissaka should have been covering him behind, as should Maguire. When your centre-back goes up to win a header against Benteke, and the chances are it's not going to, and he flicks it on, the only person who's ju- who's waiting for that flick on and gambling is Jordan Ayew, then you know, that's 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 the problem that Manchester United have still got, despite buying one good centre-back, is they're still not organised, and there's still mistakes in them. So, um, but I do agree, Harry Maguire, has, he, hasn't looked, he hasn't looked startled or overawed by, um, by being brought into Manchester United as the most expensive defender of all time. Um, another player that hasn't looked overawed, for me, is Mason Mount. I think he's been um, probably Chelsea's best player at the start of the season. He's got himself a couple of goals. 
he has cemented himself as one of the first names on the team sheet um, in that number 10 role for Lampard, who clearly trusts him from Derby. You can see why. Tammy Abraham even got a couple of goals yesterday. Uh, but Mason Mount just seems to seems to have made that step up um, that Frank Lampard obviously knew he could and was hoping they could. Um, and now it's, it's just... It's now just about the rest of the team for Chelsea getting some consistent points on the board because they got their first win of the season um, after a couple of disappointing results. Uh, they only just managed to, got, to get that win against Norwich. Um, they'll look a better side when Rudiger's back in the team. But Mason Mount just looks assured and he looks a threat and he's involved in, in goals. I saw him, um, uh, there was a free kick against Leicester um, William had just come on the pitch who's a free kick specialist and um, had a chat with Mason Mount and walked away because Mason Mount had put the ball down and, and you know he blazed it over but his, his confidence and already his stature within that team to be able to tell William I'm taking this um, is is a real plus and I think he, he's going to be a big plus for England going forward as well I think he's got him and the likes of himself and Madison um, are really going to they're really players that Gareth Southgate's been missing in the midfield for England and, and hopefully that's that's the missing piece of the jigsaw but he's had a fantastic start to the season he has and it was a great finish for him uh, yesterday against Norwich I mean just staying with the um, staying with Chelsea I feel this season is such a different Chelsea side I mean from previous years we've been used to Hazard playing for them we've been used to them having a, a, a Diego Costa or a Giroud up front this year I feel that Chelsea are completely are just worlds away from what they used to be. Not necessarily... Well, yes, they finished third last season, and this season they certainly don't have the same quality, especially losing one of the best players in the world. Um, you're going to lose a lot from your attack. But they just seem so so different. they got Tammy Abraham now leading the line. He got two really, really well-taken goals yesterday. He was unlucky against Manchester United and against uh, Leicester. Leicester could have won that towards the end. I think they probably did well enough too. Um but they, they got a point. Chelsea, they're 12th in the table. I just want to quickly cover them because we didn't uh, earlier on. But they are uh, look very, very different from what they were. Do you still think that they're going to finish in the top six? Or do you think maybe after what you've seen from the first few games that maybe they're not quite there? They're, they've only just beaten Norwich. That's not a slant against Norwich. I think they've started the season well, but still you expect for a side like Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, that you're going to go to Carrow Road and you're expecting to get the three points. Yeah, and they did get the three points um, against the Norwich side that are playing well and are scoring goals. So fair play for them to be able to score more goals than Norwich did. It was always going to be a game where both teams were going to score. There were going to be goals in it, uh, but you're expecting that Chelsea would come away with a win and it tested their resolve and a resolve in the character of a young team. Um, and, and the three goal scorers, uh, or three goals, came from Abraham and Mount. So that's that's what you're hoping for from from Chelsea. But I don't. they're still young, and they're not going to do that every single game. So you need the Pedros and the Barclays and the Giroux to, to chip in. Um, and defensively, they're going to have to be on point. And when Rudiger comes in, um, Chelsea fans will be hoping that's the case. But I, I predicted that they wouldn't finish in the top six. I thought Chelsea would finish seventh with Leicester in sixth. And I'd stick by that uh, from what I've seen, purely because they they lost Hazard. They haven't replaced him. They brought in Pulisic, who's a good addition to the squad, but he can't replace Eden Hazard. Um, and they've also got 
young players who are inexperienced at this level. And although Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, well, Mason Mount's been brilliant. Abraham got goals yesterday. He looked a bit lost up until that point. Um, he was close to scoring against Manchester United, hit the post. But Chelsea, I don't think, will finish in the top six. But I don't think that's uh, that's a major issue. I think what they will gain from this season, um, although not in points, they'll, they'll gain momentum and they'll gain progress and development of players that will, for a short-term loss, will be a long-term gain. And I think that's... That's something that the hierarchy at Chelsea have got to get their heads around because they've been quick to um, punish managers who haven't brought immediate success. I don't think that I think they've brought in Lampard at this time to develop young players and to build a squad that's going to challenge for the league in two or three seasons. They're certainly going to go, gain so much experience, especially um, with them playing in the Champions League as well. It's a massive season for these players to just learn more of their trade and. I think you're right, is in this is more of a learning curve for them this season where next season they can take it to a higher level. So this weekend we've got the final round of fixtures before the first international break of the season. It's quite odd how we all, how the Premier League sort of gets going and then it's stopped after just a few round of games and then I think managers say the season proper doesn't start until after that one. The lunchtime kickoff, we got Southampton against Man United. We'll talk about that more in Kingston Corner. Staying with Chelsea, they've got Sheffield United at home. They've got to be expecting to build on that one against those three points against Norwich. And for Sheffield United, it's just a case of gaining some experience and maybe trying to nick a point against a Chelsea side who aren't as strong as uh, previous seasons. Yeah, well, let's, let's run through all the fixtures and we'll, yeah. pick, we'll pick out a few that we've, um, that we've got our eye on. So we've got Chelsea against Sheffield United, Palace against Aston Villa. I think that's a good opportunity for both sides to pick up another three points. Um, Crystal Palace, they're going to be on such a high after winning against Manchester United and Aston Villa after getting their first points of the season. That's going to be quite an evenly matched one for me. One that sticks out, as we were talking about earlier, you've got Newcastle against Watford. So yeah. they, one of those teams, or both, both of them, they're either going to end up on one or one of them's definitely going to end up on zero by the end of the weekend. What do you think? Well, what 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 do you think of Newcastle against Watford? They're both shocking in front of goal, and their defence is both leak. So, a nil nil draw or yeah. a high scoring affair? Uh, I think there'll be goals. I think both teams. Um, it's difficult really because both teams could be really tentative, and it could be a dire game. Or both teams could see it as an opportunity to go at them. I think Newcastle uh, at home are going to attack Watford and Watford have got the quality to try and hit them on the break. I think Watford have got more quality and this might be a good opportunity for them to to take on a, a Newcastle side that on paper they should beat. That stands out as a fixture for obvious reasons. It's the bottom two as it stands on a Newcastle are, are playing Tottenham later but we expect them to still go on zero points. Um, so something's got to give. Uh, we won't have two teams on zero points by the end of it and if it wasn't the third, if it wasn't the fourth game of the season, um, the term six pointer would be brand, banded about. But obviously not at this stage. But it, but it's one of those games that you keep a close eye on because they're two teams that are struggling, and um, and one of those teams will go four games without a win. So that will be that will be an interesting one, and one um, one will be keeping our eyes on. Definitely one that actually. Leaps out at me just uh, just a bit that I didn't expect to uh, earlier on, but it's West Ham against Norwich. West Ham they've they got their season up and running against um, against Watford yesterday. Uh, their new signing Hall has got he's got off the mark. He's got two well taken goals. 
I think them against Norwich is going to be quite an interesting one because Norwich, as we've seen so far, they they're going to cause problems for any defence. And West Ham are a team that we expected in our preview to finish quite quite high. They're one of those sides that could trouble the uh, top six, but at the same time could also underachieve. What do you think? Well, what are your thoughts on West Ham against Norwich, really? Oh, goals everywhere. Um, big pitch at, at the London Stadium. They both play. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that I would like to see televised. These are the sorts of games where the two sides play the same formation, four-two-three-one. Uh, They've both got strikers up front, very different, but are in goal-scoring uh, form after Haller's brace uh, yesterday. Um, and I, I just think they both play good football. We talked about this early in the season. I think West Ham are going to be a joy to watch this season with the attacking midfielders that they've got behind Haller. Um, Norwich play good football. Cantwell and Pukki have been really impressive. I think you could see more goals for Pukki. I think you could see more goals for Haller. Um, I would expect that West Ham would win at home against Norwich but I just think it's going to be a really good football match uh, and both teams West Ham to win both teams to score mate you know you can maybe see another 3-2 um, Nor- Norwich you know either way really but yeah yeah you're, you're right you, it doesn't stand out but when you think about it that's that's going to be one of the games of the weekend I, I would think definitely and finally we've got arguably in terms of a media perspective, the game of the weekend, of course, is the uh, the North London derby. We've got Arsenal against Tottenham. We've had quite a few big games so far, big clashes. Man United against Chelsea. We've had Liverpool against Arsenal. Arsenal, they've started... Well, they were taken apart by Liverpool yesterday. Um, but they've got, certainly, the players to trouble Tottenham. And at home, you their fans will be really up for... Um, well, Tottenham have been on top, pretty much, for the past couple of years... Their fan, Arsenal fans will be certainly wanting to get one over them, but Tottenham again. They, I know you said they haven't started as strongly as you expect, but these games are always going to be so interesting when these two sides come together. Yeah, is it at the Emirates? Uh, I believe this one is at the Emirates. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be another good game, isn't it? I love a North London derby, um, and there are also uh, North London derbies have been good over the years, based on foreign talent. A lot of the times, you know, the, you think of the Vieiras and Perez and those sorts of players back, back in the day, and then yeah, more recently, it's, it's gone like you said towards a Tottenham, um, you know, a lot of Tottenham wins, and they've they've gone home and away, and they've been the better side. Um, Harry Kane obviously is going to be important. Kane versus Aubameyang, that will be interesting. I think whoever, whichever set of defenders deals with that that attack and threat. Uh, the best is probably going to get a win for their side. I hope Pepe starts. I think he looks a really good player. Uh, I don't know if you saw the nutmeg he pulled on on Ben Mee against Burnley, but it's it's online and it's fantastic. He's just he's he's a, ma- a bit of a maverick player, and it's the kind of player that you could make a difference in the in the North London derby as we've seen over the years. Um, but that you know that's Sunday that that will be uh, that will be on on Sky and. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that because it's always a feisty affair. And even this early in the season, you know, both sides, I, 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 Tottenham haven't played a third game yet, so we won't forecast that they'll beat Newcastle. But if they do, then both sides uh, have got a couple of wins to start the season. Um, Arsenal are on six points out of nine because they've just played Liverpool. And at the moment, Tottenham are on four out of six, haven't played Man City. So they've both not had bad starts to the season in terms of points. And 
if whoever wins that game will will think from the games that they've had so far they've had a really good start um, and can push on and uh, yeah it's, it's already it's already got a lot riding on it I think that game definitely and Arsenal will certainly be wanting to bounce back after that game against Liverpool where they certainly after the start they kind of expected to maybe put up a bit more of a fight than they did because they gave away um, it went down to 2-0 quite cheaply with David Luiz being quite shockingly just pulling the shirt of Mo Salah and expecting nothing to be nothing to come of that. He held on for quite a few seconds. It's almost like he wanted Salah to take him away. But So we've rounded up the Premier League after the first few games. Yes, we've still got some fixtures still to be played. Still, it... It's it's far too early to make too many assumptions. It's just interesting to have a look at how teams are doing so far, whether they fans would be disappointed with them so so far. But next week, Callum and I will be providing commentary at Southampton against Manchester United. We will be talking more about that in our next episode when we go to Kingsland Corner. And we'll just be talking more about the audio description side of things, what we hope to do in that game. We hope to bring you inside the stadium. I think that's the plan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're looking to, to attempt uh, to sort of do a match day um, documentary of sorts to just show you know our listeners and our, our viewers um, what it's like for us and what we do, what our match day looks like uh, at St Mary's. It's an early kickoff, so it might be some um, some sleepy eyes to start with, but uh, I mean we'll be there about ten a.m. Uh, half past ten for for half twelve kickoff, and just um, yeah, just try a bit of a, a a bit of a, a documentation of, of where we go, what we do and how the setup is um, both before, during and, and after the game. Absolutely and hopefully we're going to bring you a lot of content and it's going to be very exciting. If you're interested in that then please join us for episode 6 where we'll be going to Kingsland Corner. My name is Tom Murray and if you want to catch me on Twitter it's at T214Murray. Yep, I'm Callum Wilson at Callum Wilson 21 And I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Until next time, bye bye.